This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 201. Enjoy your new life. Bishop Taylor Smith, former chaplain general to the forces, once had a conversation with a young man that went like this. Bishop, when you think about the cross of Christ, what do you see, young man? I see Christ and two thieves crucified either side of him. Bishop, what else do you see? Young man, I see the soldiers gambling. Bishop, if that's all you see, I think you'll have trouble with the Christian life. When I see the cross, with all that, I see old Bishop Taylor Smith. I was crucified with Christ. In the New Testament passage for today, the Apostle Paul expounds and explains what it means to have been crucified with Christ. We were in Christ Jesus. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. Soon after encountering Jesus, I wrote, I died in February 1974. My old life was buried. From then onwards, I've walked in newness of life. It really does seem like that. Life before was so absolutely and completely different. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are able to live and enjoy a new life. In the passage for today, we see how this was anticipated in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament. From Psalm 87 As they make music, they will sing, All my fountains are in you. New Song This is a psalm of praise. It's hard to understand and has been described as one of the most problematic in the whole Psalter. It's written in the language of poetry. The psalmist concludes by anticipating the future. As they make music, they will sing, All my fountains are in you. This picture of overflowing water is an image of abundant life which the Holy Spirit brings. However, Jesus says, that all this was fulfilled not in a place, Zion, but in a person. Out of his innermost being flowed rivers of living water. The living water comes from the Holy Spirit, which you have now received. We can now sing a new song of worship to the Lord, saying to him, All my fountains are in you. Lord, may your streams of living water of the Holy Spirit flow into me, and out of me today. New Testament from Romans 6 What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning, so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him 
so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. New Freedom The insane but influential Russian monk Rasputin taught his followers that after their conversion they should go and sin more so that in being forgiven they would feel more of God's love. He failed to understand that grace is not an excuse to sin, rather it's a reason not to sin. Paul deals with this very issue asking whether If grace meets our every sin, and as sin increases, grace abounds all the more, should we keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving? He answers, I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? Now we're free we have a radically changed attitude to sin. How can we, who've been so radically changed, the difference between life and death, still live in sin? Once we were slaves to sin, in that we had to obey its commands, but now we're free. In this passage, we see all three tenses of salvation. First, you have been save from the penalty of sin. Paul writes in the past tense that our old sin was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who's died has been freed from sin. Through the death of Jesus on the cross for us, the past is totally forgiven. Your guilt has been removed. The penalty for all your sin, past, present and future, has been paid. You have been freed. Second, you will be saved from the presence of sin. Paul writes, If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Your salvation is not yet complete. There is a future tense of salvation. One day you will be united with him in his resurrection and you will forever be freed from the presence of sin and will enjoy the uninterrupted presence of God forever. Third, you are being saved from the power of sin. 
Paul writes, from now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You're dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Jesus has set you free, not only from the guilt of sin, but also from its addictive power. You do not need to sin anymore. Sin shall not be your master. You are to count yourself dead to sin and alive to God. You do not need to obey sin's evil desires. This is the present tense of salvation. You are being set free from the power of sin as you offer the parts of your body to Jesus as instruments of righteousness. Lord, thank you that you have set me free to enjoy a new life. I offer you my body today and pray that you will make me an instrument of righteousness. Old Testament from Hosea 1 and 2 When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived. The Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. Therefore I am going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. New love. God loves you unconditionally, wholeheartedly and continually. No matter what you've done, you can have a new beginning, a fresh start, a new life and a new love. Hosea is the prophet of love, writes Eugene Peterson. But not love as we imagine or fantasize it, he was a parable of God's love for his people, lived out as God revealed and enacted it. A lived parable. It's an astonishing story. A prophet commanded to marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. It is an even more astonishing message. God loves us in just this way. Goes after us at our worst. Keeps after us until he gets us and makes lovers of men and women who know nothing of real love. Hosea was prophesying shortly after the time of Amos. His marriage to Gomer was a kind of analogy for Israel's relationship with God. God spoke to Hosea and said, Find a promiscuous woman and marry her. Make this promiscuous woman the mother of your children. And here's why. 
The whole country has become a brothel, unfaithful to me, God. Israel's mistake was to chase after things, food, wine, fashion, jewellery and perfume, rather than God. They failed to see it was God who provided these things. All he asks is that you should seek him first. God's answer is to frustrate us when we chase after things rather than him by not allowing us to obtain the things on which we've set our hearts. He says, She'll go on the hunt for her lovers, but not bring down a single one. She'll look high and low, but won't find one. God longs for you to be living in a relationship with him as close as a husband and a wife. He says, I'm now going to allure her. He takes her into a desert. This is so often the place where God's voice is heard and speaks tenderly. In that day, declares the Lord, you will be called my husband. I will betroth you to me forever. This foreshadows the relationship of Jesus to his church. God promises a new love relationship between him and his people. They will know, acknowledge the Lord. It will be a relationship of love and compassion. He says, I will show my love to the one I called not my loved one. I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Lord, thank you that through the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's possible for me to know you. Thank you that I can walk each day in a relationship of love with you. Thank you that you show your love for us and call us your people. Thank you that I can say to you, you are my God. Pippa adds, In Romans 6.12 it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, but rather offer yourselves to God. A time to rededicate our lives is important. In a world full of challenges, struggles, pressures and disappointments, it's important to let the Holy Spirit roam our hearts and see if anything contrary to God has crept in and taken hold. Focus our church holiday away is a good time for me when I can stop and let Jesus take his proper place again in my life.